and welcome to the Health is Pow Hers podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Anna Esparham, and this is your number one podcast that supports women with deep healing using your own intuition as a guide. And just to let you know, we have two new programs as our team is growing, and we've launched a sleep group coaching program for teens based on an NIH-funded intervention for teens who struggle with getting enough quality, deep, and refreshing sleep. And we've also launched our faith-based headache coaching program, one for teens and one for women with two headache physicians who definitely know and have the experience how to heal head pain from within. And there's absolutely no pressure to join the program, but if you'd like to hear more, I would love to share if we both feel you're a good fit. So you can head over to healthispowher.com to schedule your call now. And if you want one, please make sure to grab your spot fast. These calls are going pretty quickly as I'm getting booked and I'm so excited to connect with those of you who schedule now on to the show. And now I'm obligated to tell you our disclaimer that Anna Esperham, MD, is a medical doctor, but she is not your doctor and she is not offering medical advice on this podcast. So if you are in need of professional advice or medical care, you must seek out the services of your own doctor or healthcare professional. As this podcast provides information only and does not provide any financial, legal, medical, or psychological services or advice, and none of the content on this podcast prevents, cures, or treats any mental or medical condition, as you are responsible for your own physical, mental, and emotional well-being being decisions, choices, actions, and results. Health is Power LLC disclaims any liability for your reliance on any opinions or advice contained in this podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to Health is Power. I am so excited. We're going to be talking to Julie DeLuca Collins. She is founder and CEO of Go Confidently Services. She's also the host of her own podcast, Casa de Confidence Podcast. And you also have a weekly radio show, Confident You, featured on a global talk radio network. Oh my gosh. I, I, didn't... I do. It's That's super awesome. fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Um, I just met someone who is a medium and intuitive who has her own TV show. I was like, wow, that's Ooh. super. Yeah. She invited me on her show. I'm, I'm nervous. It'll be my first. It's no, going to be on, great. It's so fun. Yeah. I kind of forgot. I have been on TV before, but anyway, that's super neat. Um, but you're also a life and life strategist and business coach. And so you help a lot of women, business owners launch and grow their business. You get a lot of clients for them, be productive, mm -hmm. achieve their dreams. Um, you're also a public, you do everything. You're a public speaker. You're an author. You're a, a little trainer. bit of everything. <laughs> you're doing everything. <laughs> And you're certified in so many different things. So cognitive behavioral techniques, you're a holistic coach and tiny habits as well, which we're going to go into as well today. Um, and you're also a certified in social emotional learning. Um, and, oh, this is something I've wanted to do the 200 yoga um, teacher certification, 200 hours. Yeah, I'm up for yeah. renewal. So I need to, okay. I need to renew that. Um, I mean, I, you know, and, and definitely I'm looking into different, um, different programs because the one I did came together with the social emotional learning. It was one oh. big program, but I'm excited to go through the research and I don't know what it takes, honestly, to go through the research, uh, especially if you want to be Yoga Alliance certified. Oh, okay. That's the main. Certifying. Yeah, that's the main. Yeah. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. I've never, I've never done it. Um, I do yoga. Um, 
but I just have not had the time yet because I'm going to go back to residency. Maybe later down in the road, I will be able yeah. to get to I love that. Back. And by the way, thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to have you. <laughs> me too. I've been looking forward to this all day. I, I just heard like... your interview with Ben last oh, week. Good. Thank you. So I'm like, I love it. <laughs> everyone loves Ben. I just, everyone's, all my friends have been texting me. They're like, oh, that guy is so good. And I'm like, well, he's connected to me to so many different people. Yeah. So I'm so excited. I feel like we'd be besties if we live closer. Yeah. Well, he's amazing. And honestly, like we have this mastermind together and anytime that I need like a very thorough, thoughtful, um, intentional piece of feedback, he's the guy to go to. Yeah. But he he's is. also connected me with incredible people. He's just so, I mean, what a phenomenal guy. I just I haven't know, met too around. many people like him. Ah, yeah, anyway. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Ben, yay, everyone. Shout out. I'll, we'll have to tell him <laughs> we did a shout out for him. That's right. That's right. <laughs> A Boom Vision podcast. Yes. Another mm. shout out. Um, and what's even so cool, I just, when I was reading your bio was you were honored with the 25 most powerful minority women in business award. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. You know, when I was working for corporate in corporate America, I uh, grew through the corporate America ranks and um, I had just gotten a big promotion because I had been doing some representation of my company in Capitol Hill to talk, give feedback to representatives on educational, um, the, the No Child Left Behind law. And yeah, this is going back a few years back, but some of the things that were broken or not working or needed to be improved with how services were being provided for low income students. And I had done a lot of work and I, I'm just so passionate about that. I'm passionate about educational opportunities for those who need it. And when you grow up as a minority or you grow up in a lower socioeconomic background, you don't have the same opportunity, sadly. And, you know, disposable income for tutoring is not something that parents can afford. And anyhow, so I get a phone call. <laughs> And they're like, hi, we want to give you an award. And I'm thinking, what are you trying to sell me? <laughs> and I remember, I, I feel so bad because it was one of those moments that you're in the middle of something and someone calls and you're just like, what? What are you selling? And, and anyway, I said, listen, can I call you back? Um, I, I don't have, you know, the opportunity to really talk to you right now. So I called her back. I don't know what made me call her back. And um, she's like, yes, you've been nominated for this award. And immediately I go and like, well, how much is this? And she's like, no, it's an award. The Minority Enterprise Council um, rep represents different organizations. And we want to give you this award. You've been nominated. And it turned out that the person who nominated me was actually the CEO of a competing of a competing company, which to me and and I guess I still keep in touch with him to this day. But it was a big um, honor because here's someone that was basically our competitor in the industry, and thought I was doing a good job, and I just thought, oh. And when you know I went to DC, I received the the prize actually you can't see it here because it's on my bookshelf and i still keep it there to remind me that sometimes we we're not expecting to be recognized for the work that we do but we, we're passionate and have a purpose with what we do and we're following that people take 
take notice. And it's something that comes so naturally. And again, I've transitioned to not working directly in education, but I'm working and educating women and how to become the CEO of their life and business. And I'm so passionate about that that you know you just keep going and yes there's still the moments in which i don't feel like i have it together or there are moments like especially with that um award i sat in the room with other 24 women and this woman works for the irs and the fbi and the this university and i'm thinking who am i to be sitting in this room but it happens no matter where we are right and we just have to remember that there's no accident that there's a reason why you're there and to embody that person. And from that moment on, I wanted to be, you know, a powerful women minority in business to be able to let others who are coming behind me know that they can also become that. That is so amazing. Good for you. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. Um, that reminds me, I was just talking to my friend who we coach um, students on, you know, how to get into medical school. And uh, we were just talking about, um, you know, there are um, underrepresented students, but still it's just so difficult with all the tests and all the travel for the interviews and just how much everything costs that it is, it is so incredibly difficult for someone who doesn't yeah. have the income to make it happen for them, especially if they're taking care of their family, you know, especially right. if they've come all across the seas and, you know, say their parents can't get a job here and then they're taking care of their parents. And so I've had to, you know, work with some of these students to figure out creative ways to overcome this adversity um so yeah absolutely and i and, and i have to tell you you just took me back i don't think i've thought of this but when i was in high school my mom was a single mom and i started working to you know be able to pay for my things here and there in high school and when it came to the sat i took it once and then i took it twice toward the end um of of high school but I, it was kind of like I used to help my mom because sometimes, even though, again, she's college educated, but as a single mom, there were certain things that she had to choose. And that was not disposable income that we had. So, yep. um, and I know, you know, and again, look, times have changed since I took the SAT, honestly. But again, that, that, that is a big barrier to entry for many people, many individuals. And for that reason, I want to be able to create the tools and the knowledge and the support for individuals. Because, and by the way, my biggest problem too back then is I thought, oh, I can't afford it. And it was the end of the conversation. Whereas now I know better. And now it's like, how can I, wait a minute, what can I do? Can I call someone? Can I ask? Can I ask the school? Is there someone who would sponsor me? Um, can I pick up extra hours and work? But I didn't have that necessarily back then. Um, and that's one of the things that I want to empower others to do is to use that growth mindset and ask the right question. Because when you do, then your brain starts to act differently and finds the answers to that. Yeah, let's get into that. Let's get into your background. Let's get into your origin story and, and how you healed and how you've turned everything into your purpose. Well, you know, my origin story is, is very simple. Again, I grew up with a single mom. 
Um, but I, I also didn't necessarily have a very defined identity because my mom is from El Salvador and my dad is from New York. And growing up in El Salvador, I was always told you're an American, you, um, you know, you come from, you know, you're, you're an American, you're not Salvadorian. And the, when I moved to Miami, because the civil war broke out, um, in late 1970s, early eighties, and it wasn't safe for us to be there. Um, I also didn't belong. I was not Salvadorian because I was a little too light skinned to be Salvadorian, but I could not assimilate to the Cuban population in Miami because I was a little too dark skinned for that. And I had all this like mixed of identities and I really, I was very outgoing and very, I was always told I was a leader from an early age. My grandmother was a very influential, my maternal grandmother was a very influential woman in my life. She um, was not like any other women that was born in the early 1900s. She went to school. She was very independent. She didn't marry into her early 40s. And really just super um driven to succeed and to lead and to be involved and also advocate for others. So I had that incredible example. Um, my grandmother also, um, at, in her, when she turned 70, she was diagnosed with a rare form of cancer in her leg and it was amputated. And at that time, um, I was five. She, a lot of people didn't think she was going to live and she was in a coma for a while, ultimately watching her not only come back from that experience. And I was the kind of child that would listen to the adults and try to chime in. I, again, I was very outspoken. Um, but they would say, oh, you know, she lost her leg. It's terrible. And she'll never walk again. But my grandmother proved everybody wrong. Not only did she learn to walk again, she taught herself to walk with a very heavy, heavy prosthesis um, that in those days, um, you know, it was made out of solid wood. Um, but I watched her determination. I watched her not allow herself to get boxed in. I watched her then go on and achieve a lot more than she had in her lifetime. She was well, very accomplished. So that really defined me. And it continued to remind me that I have the potential, the ability, as long as I kept trying, kept working at it, stay consistent in my course. And there's times in which I haven't been consistent, but for my job, for my work, career, those are the times that I've been able to accomplish something. And that's how I decided to become a teacher first. And I loved it, but it was not for me because I was not a very good morning person. And I knew there was more. And I was recruited by this educational company. And they valued growing people from within. And they valued um, just really giving individuals the tools to grow. And I held on to those tools. I, at this time, I was living in New York City where my dad is from and I had some family there and it was great. I love New York and continued to just climb up the corporate ladder. Um, I knew there was more. I knew there was something different. I still feel very passionate about advocating not only for students, as I mentioned, but also for women. Because again, coming from a life, one, a single mom, female, I saw sometimes that for women, you know, there's a lot of times that you have to juggle many different hats and that maybe life 
can throw you some things and challenges just because you're a woman as well. And I wanted to empower others that, you know, maybe they didn't have the right mentor. Maybe they didn't have the right support. Because by the way, the other big mentor and influence in my life has been my dad. And he's the one who first told me the quote by Henry David Thoreau, go confidently in the direction of your dreams. And that has been sort of that mantra that I've kept in my life. When I didn't think that I could do something, when I didn't believe that um, I belonged, and, but yet I had a dream of doing something, I kept saying, okay, I'm going to try. I can do it. And learning to keep getting up in the process was very important. So all these little um, ingredients came into my life to make me, you know, the person that I am today and the work that I do today, um, which I'm incredibly passionate about because I don't want a woman to think that they're not able to do something that, because it's not about somebody having it all together. And, and throughout my career, women would say the harder I worked or the higher I went up the corporate ladder, women would say, oh, you're, congratulations, that's a great, I wish I was as confident as you. And I would think, oh my gosh, if you only knew, I don't have it together. There are some days that I think I look in the mirror or maybe I don't feel well or, you know, we have these doubting things or, or our brain is ruminating on, should I have done that or whatever it is. It is so normal and I wanted to normalize for others that it's not that I'm a superstar. It is not that I have these incredible uh, magical gifts. It is that I keep showing up that I am consistent, that in, and I love to say consistent action gets you traction. And those are the things that propelled me in my career. Those are the things that propelled me in achieving the things that I've done, traveling and everything else. You know, I love your story. It's just kind of, uh, parallels with why I created health is power as well. Um, mine was a little bit different in terms of more, I had a struggle with a lot of women's health issues and it was underrepresentative in, you know, mainstream healthcare. And so I had to go out and do so much work and so much research and get so much help on my own, um, and, and really struggle for many years until, you know, finally figuring it out. And, but it all comes back to, yeah, that sense of, you know, we can do anything that we put our minds to that's really on aligned with our path. And we just, you know, need the help. We need to network. We need to get the support to help, you know, make that happen. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and the thing is that we sometimes think we need to do it alone and we don't. We don't. We need to just leverage. I am a big person when it comes to relationships. Um, again, that's a lesson I learned from my dad. And he said, honey, your network is really where the wealth is. And the wealth is not necessarily monetary, but it's really in the relationships, the introductions. I, you know, we talked about Ben introducing us. Honestly, I, I love being able to, and, and your story has resonated with me incredibly. And I keep thinking more people need to know that they can be the advocate, that they can be um, the person that fights for their health because there's so many ways that um, our health is minimized too. People like, oh, just take this or do this, but they're not really 
um, listening or they're not really exploring. Is that all there is? And, and that's why I feel it's, it's important to be able to advocate and to also know that you can't do it alone. You need this right support system. And, and you had, um, I think, some similar experiences. And that's why I think you created this holistic um, picture for yourself in terms of all that you're certified in, not only as a business and life strategist coach, but you're very holistic in, in what you bring to the table for your clients because of a lot that you went through. Yeah. So, you know, I would say the beginning of the journey for me was having an annoying cough. And I, I would get sick. There were multiple times throughout the year in which, and I traveled a lot at this point. I was traveling two to three weeks out of the month. So obviously, and this is, you know, 2000 and something. And of course, you know, part of the course of traveling, you get sick, et cetera. But it was just a kind of cough that after whatever was done, I would still have this lingering cough. And it was terrible. And it wasn't allergy. I went to an allergist. I went to an ENT. I went to my PCP. I went back to a pulmonologist and, and I kept making the rounds and there was no answer. And I was frustrated. And I kind of had started to live with the cough. Honestly, I started to, because, and people was like, oh, you're coughing still. And I would be so annoyed that they would be pointing out that I'd be coughing. But it was an issue. It's not normal that you just keep coughing. Um, and um, I was sitting at the allergist office once again. And I'll never forget because he changed my life. He said, um, do you have dry eyes? I'm like, yes. Do you get really like dry and thirsty? And I'm like, yes. And he kept going through all. How about your, you know, do you feel like very sore and and all these symptoms. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. He's like, listen, my wife has Sjogren's. You should get checked out for that. I'm like, what? what is that? Like, I have no, he's like, it's an autoimmune. And he proceeded to tell me what it was and how to get checked out. And eventually I went to get checked out for it. And when I was told that I had Sjogren's, I immediately, you know, it wasn't cancer, right? It wasn't, it, it's this unknown and is, you know, part of the course for me, I started to just do the research. Well, this could lead to rheumatoid arthritis. This could lead to, um, and, and at the time, I knew that I wasn't going to feel sorry for myself. But I wanted to create the environment in which I, I didn't want to rely on, on drugs. I didn't want to rely. I wanted to just really research, find out for myself leverage the best information. And even to this day, I am the one who, last night we were watching something on YouTube um, because I'm like, hmm, this is very interesting. And and I think that this is where many people just get a diagnosis or get, you know, this news and that's where they, it's okay, fine. This is my, my sentence. But for me, I knew that it wasn't just about the body. It was also going to be about the mindset in any certifications that I've done, it's not because I thought, oh, I better be certified in this to help people or to make money or whatever. I've certified myself in all these different areas because I mainly have done them so I can coach myself through it. The cognitive behavioral techniques, which was the first certification I got, was really to be able to manage my mindset and know that um, you know our thoughts really create what we feel and what we feel then 
creates our actions and that gets us our results. And for many years, I was the person like, oh, this is happening to me. It's so terrible. But I didn't take ownership of changing the outcome of things through doing different things. And, and I think that this is one of the reasons that I'm so passionate about helping other women in this process. Whether the, Because what I do is not just as a business coach teaching someone how to run their business, but I teach them to become the CEO of their life and business. Because if you don't know that there is an intersection between what you do to earn money and what you do in your life, then you can't make these compartments not melt into each other, especially as women. We, we end up, you know, we are the ones who typically shop. We are the ones who take care of people in our home. We are the one, like even I don't have kids, I have dogs, but guess who has to call for the prescription renewal for the dog? It's not going to be my husband that does it. It's me. So that means that I need to be able to, as the CEO of my business, plan accordingly to the things that are the other responsibilities that I have. And that's what I want to teach other women, to be able to leverage the right mindset, to know how to run their life with the right habits, and to feel more confidently doing it and not beat themselves up. Because when we beat ourselves up, that's when we end up like losing progress, losing steam, not moving forward, or really advocating for ourselves. I have so many questions um, because so many women, um, some people really feel stuck. I mean, they do, they do have these dreams and they do, you know, want to be the CEO of their life, but it's just a lot of these people feel so stuck where they're at and mm -hmm. they just can't make that next step. I mean, what's your, what's your approach for women who um, have these challenges? You know, I think that the first thing in, uh, you know, I'm going to quote Simon Sinek. He, he talks about starting with why. I think that a lot of times we have dreams or we have aspirations, but we got to figure out, is that dream our dream? Is that aspiration our aspiration? Because ultimately, you know, a lot of people say, I want to get healthy, but they want to get healthy because the doctor told them they need to, or, you know, but there's not like that, that deep desire to maybe they want to hike Kilimanjaro like I do, right? Or they, they have a dream of running a successful business, but that's because they see that as the solution instead of the nine to five. You have to realize um, not everyone is meant to have a successful business. Not everyone that has a business is going to be a seven-figure earner. You have to know your why. Why behind it? Because then that helps to clarify for you, well, if this is what I want, what are the things that I need to put in place today, right? So for instance, for me, I, I'm working on my health. I'm a work in progress when it comes to my health. And for me, the, if I want to be healthy, it's not just an aspiration. It is definitely an everyday step. And it means also being uncomfortable. So if you don't understand your why, you're not going to be able to put yourself in that, in that minute of discomfort that it's going to take to shift, to change, to do something new. And I think that this is why women in particularly get stuck. They don't understand the why. They, they, you need to really clarify what you want, why you want it. And if you really want it, 
and you know why you want it, then create the steps. And this is where the simple habits and the tiny habits comes in because our brain can't go from doing one thing to immediately doing another. We're programmed. We've already created an automation. That's what we're designed to do. We're designed to automate almost everything that we do. So when you're trying to go after a dream and it's going to require you to change your behavior day in and day out, then you have to create the small steps forward and always consider not um, beating yourself up because you're not where you think you should be, but consider celebrating even the smallest of progress because that is going to help your brain continue to show up and continue to do the work. Yeah. Celebrations have been a huge part of my um, life coach and, and business coaching. Uh, it's like every time we start off with a call, it's like, what is your win? What is your celebration? Yeah, exactly. You're going to laugh. You're going to laugh. Look, this is what I, I do for my clients. What is your win? <laughs> <laughs> and I like to celebrate them because how many times do we actually like, we're like, oh yeah, I did that. And then most of us say, uh, oh yeah, yeah, but it's no big deal. It is a big deal, even yeah. if it's the tiniest movements. No, I, that, that started helping me because then I did start thinking about a lot of the things that I'm proud of. It's like, wow, I did that. Holy moly. Yeah. I, I know. <laughs> we have to measure. It's just like, uh, and this is a concept from teaching and, and that, you know, many other people use as well, but data-driven decision-making is key right? Um, when we teach kids, we typically use our data to drive our instruction. The same thing with our lives. L look at what you did. And it's not to punish yourself, but it's to really calibrate your next steps. And if you celebrate those, then you can say, oh, how can I do that 1% better next time? Yeah. So, and that brings us into that consistent consistency and those tiny habits, which you're also, you're certified in tiny habits, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, and I am. That's amazing. I, I have to read that book too. I gotta, I, it's so good. It's so good. Okay. Um, and that's by BJ, Dr. BJ Fogg from Stanford university. He, he, he created the behavior lab in Stanford. And really that book has been life-changing because we all hear habits are important. And for whatever reason, I kept thinking something is wrong with me. I'm broken. I can't, I can't get motivated to do these habits. And the problem is that there's three things that need to be in place in order for you to create new behavior. You have to, the behavior requires motivation to do it, ability to do it, and then also a prompt. When we are trying to change and we're trying to create a brand new habit, like a big habit, let's say go to the gym every day, um, even though in December 31st, you did not go to the gym, in January 1st, you're gonna require a lot of motivation. And maybe you are very motivated because it's the first of the year, but on February, what is the sixth? That motivation has gone away. So what we do is we create the ability and then the prompt, but we create, we don't rely on the motivation we have to just create something that it's so tiny that the motivation that's going to be required is n nearly non-existent. And that's what tiny habits is about. So we create something so doable that it was like, oh, of course I could do that. Of course I can do that. And then you begin to automate that process. And that's going to create that momentum for you. 
Oh, wow. Okay. So say if uh, we're talking about, I don't know, some health issue, um, like meditating, for example, mm-hmm. um, how would you approach it? Say if someone, you know, they've been working with their doctor, they have a lot of stress, they have a lot of anxiety, they're starting to get some chronic health issues, maybe some chronic pain. Um, and you know, it all comes down to finding some emotional release or some downtime, but it's like, they have so much struggle getting there. Um, it's so difficult. They have a monkey mind They're, you know, yeah, they've got family, they've got kids, they've got everything, everything. Right. And so how would you approach it with someone, um, who has that particular goal? Yeah, this is, this is. Excellent. I love this so much. Um, and I'm a big proponent of meditating. And by the way, um, when I was told that I should meditate, because I was that person, right? I I was like, what? Meditate? What? what? No, thank you. Like, who clears their mind? Who has time to sit for half an hour? I got to travel. I got to do, uh, right? That, that was me. And um, I started, actually, Gabby Bernstein was the first person that taught me about meditation. And I didn't know at the time I was using the tiny habits method, but that's basically what I did. So there is a chair in my bedroom and I would let the dogs out in the morning. And there's a couple tiny habits that I use and that's my prompt, letting the dogs out. That's the one moment that it has to happen, right? It's already automated. And what I do is I attach certain behavior to that. And actually, I let the dogs out. I make my cup of coffee for the morning or tea, whichever I'm drinking at the time. And then I bring it upstairs and I sit in my chair. And when I sit in my chair, I turn on my sun lamp. And my goal is just that I'm going to sit there and take a few deep breaths. So if you're just starting out, you don't have to see there, sit there for an hour. You don't have to sit. I'm going to sit and drink my coffee anyway. So why can I just sit there and take a deep breath? And you don't have to, you know, it, a lot of people think it's very uncomfortable to close your eyes. You can just have a soft gaze and look a couple feet in front of you and just gather and, and notice your breath. That act of mindfulness can be something that you can build that consistency that all you're going for is the win of doing the two minutes while you drink your coffee of intentional breathing, intentional presence in that moment. And then some days maybe you'll sit there a little longer. And meditating is not about clearing your mind and not thinking of anything. It's just being aware and saying, oh, I'm thinking, thinking about the dishes and the sink thinking about the dishes and then letting it just kind of flow that thought about the dishes and then returning to your breath. And if you do it for three minutes, right? Or four minutes. And then, but if your intention is always to do it at least for the first two minutes, you've been successful at it. Then you celebrate the heck out of yourself. And then you have a meditation practice because it's not about, you know, the quantity but it's just the consistency of doing it. Mm, I love it. And I love the prompt. I never thought about the prompt. And that makes sense to me because yeah. I, I have to study for two board exams over the next two months. Yeah. Over the next two months. And so, and I do not like studying. Okay. I've had 
8,000 years of school already. I've studied mm-hmm. the Lusa so much and I'm like, I do not want to study anymore. <laughs> and so it's so oh. hard for me to like sit down and study. It's like almost like PTSD. I'm like, Ooh. yeah. And, and that's what happens with, with many of us that we say, Oh, I got to study. But we, that's what we call a trailing edge. I got to study. Well, you got to do it when, when are you going to do it? But if you, you sit down and look at, and, and for instance, with my clients, this is a little bit what we do. We assess what does their day look like? What is their regular routine? Because that's the key, right? The routine. Um, I, I do one thing, and this is a habit that Dr. Fogg talks about. I've, 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 um, he does this. I've shifted from what he does to more me. He does um, a couple of push-ups every time after he goes to the bathroom to go pee. Now, I am not going to get on the floor in my bathroom. My bathroom is clean, but no thank you. But you know what I do is every time I go to the bathroom while I'm washing my hands, I do squats. And all I'm doing is two squats. But some days I do five or ten. And some days I do too when I'm washing my hands and I'm never a failure at doing squats throughout the day. How fabulous is that? So find the prompts that you already do. Find the automations in your life and then find the thing, the prompt, and then we'll give you the ability and you don't have to rely on big motivation. You just make it tiny and then you will be successful. Wow. So for you studying, like what are the things that you already do? Maybe there is in the morning you come and check email. So you after you check email is the prompt or is your it's what we call a recipe, right? After I blank, I do blank and then I celebrate. By the way, the celebration is the most important part of that recipe. Mm-hmm. Cuz if yeah. you're not celebrating yourself for actually doing the little thing, then it's harder for you to create those newer pathways. Wow. So cool. Okay. I'm going to try that for my board exams coming up. That'll Yeah. Find find your proms. Find your proms of the things that you're already doing. And by the way, you're not going to study for an hour. Your goal is to open your book and celebrate that. Okay. Or open the material or whatever. And after you see it, you're probably going to keep going, but the goal, you'll never be unsuccessful at studying because, hey, I decided I'm going to study today. And if you celebrate it after you did it for two minutes, then great. If not, great. You never, and then you're going to be like, oh my God, I'm so good at studying. I study every day. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'm going to do that. I'll celebrate with my husband. (laughs) I'm going to be like, what? (laughs) Yeah. And it doesn't have to be. And by the way, the celebration has to happen as soon as you do the thing. Because if you wait to celebrate, then your brain is sort of forgotten. That then the oh, the right. magic is in doing the celebration immediately after. And it doesn't have to be like you have a pom pom or you have a dance party. You could, but most of my celebrations, it's like, good job, Julie. Or, ooh, I did that. Okay. Oh, got that done. All right. So those are the things that keep the momentum going. And it's like you're hitting your brain with this dopamine. Like, oh, my goodness. Look at that. How good I did that. I opened my book. Good job. That's what I set out to do. And I have one more question and yeah. we can always wrap up. But um, 
how are there challenges that you see that come up for a lot of women that you work with after incorporating some of these, you know, tiny habits in the very beginning and it's, and it's just, you know, that very beginning and then trying to progress. Is there any challenges that come up? Yeah. So the biggest challenge, and I will tell you, this is not just um, the my clients or the women that I work with, but this is overall something that we see as tiny habit coaches is people feel weird celebrating. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't like the celebration, but really that's the glue that makes it stick. So that's the challenge that happens. Um, also, the other challenge is people will say, well, what is two minutes of opening my book and reading for two minutes do for me? Right? Because you were already, say. that's what you, 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 you probably were thinking that. I'd already. be like, oh, this is a waste. This is, it's not going to work. Yeah. But I can tell you that, you know, my, my water drinking habit started with a tiny habit of all I go for in the morning is not drinking a gallon of water. My goal is to fill my water bottle and celebrate that. And then I put it here on top of me. So every time I finish a conversation, I chug. And then guess what happens? Then I have to go to the bathroom. So that creates my next prompt. After I go to the bathroom and I typically wash my hands and do that, I typically refill my bottle or my water, whichever needs refilling. And then I celebrate. Oh, my God, I refill that. That's so good, right? Wow. Okay. Yeah. So don't don't allow yourself because our brain will tell us is not enough. But in the words of Dr. Fogg, tiny is mighty. And all you have to do is be willing to try it and you will see how how it defines you because you're defining yourself as a failure for not getting enough done. But if you start to define yourself as I am a person who drinks water every day, right? That creates an, the identity that you want. It creates um, the person that is working toward achieving those goals that you set out. And you understand that you wanted to feel successful at being this person. Why? Right. And it all starts to click in for you. Oh, cool. Okay. I'm going to start incorporating this. Um, definitely. Yeah. I'd love to hear. I can't wait for you okay. to tell me how you did. I'll, yeah, I'll email you. That sounds yeah. good because I do have to get on the study bandwagon here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this will oh, help me. This so is good. like perfect yeah. timing. <laughs> perfect. I'm glad I could help. <laughs> We're incorporating these tiny consistent habits. Um, okay, so tell us a little bit about some of your services, how people can yeah. find you, um, who you work with, your ideal client. Um, I'm sure. sure a lot of women, there's a lot of women who listen, you know, to this podcast. And so, and a lot of shifts are taking place for them. And so they may want to reach out. Yeah. So um, I will say, you know, the riches are in the niches, but for me, um, yes, I work with a person, primarily women, and I call them some cool dudes. If you've listened to the podcast, that's usually what we talk about is uh, some incredible women going confidently uh, in the direction of their dreams, mostly women who are trying to build a business. Um, I happen to be so fortunate that my background, uh, my career in corporate helped me not only be able to really be able to learn how to develop a business, but also grow it successfully. And either people are really good at developing and, and or operations, not one or the other, but I can do both of them. And then 
what I do help my clients is whether they're in the build it stage or the grow it stage is to really be able to identify what do they want? What are the steps that they need to get there? And we start to use the framework of tiny habits and we work together in creating the life and business they love. Um, whether it be, you know, a lot of women who have a business already haven't been consistent from month to month at getting the income. And we really uh, look at their processes. We look at what is it that they offer, their their sales or, or maybe where, where their clients coming from. And really I'm, I'm able to um, create a right strategy for them with them. And then we look at the tools that they're using because maybe they're, they're, they don't have the right steps or the tools or the systems in place to help them. So I help them with that. I help them also be able to really figure out how is it that they want to show up in the world? And, and I have clients as well that, of course, are not building a business, but really are looking to grow in their career. And we use some of the tiny habits approach to be able to help them as well. But predominantly, uh, some of these amazing women and some of them are coaches. Some of them have brick and mortar or products, which is very fun for me. Um, and I, I use a lot of my own experience. Because when I started my business, I thought, oh, this is going to be a piece of cake. I build businesses, multi-million dollar businesses for other people. And then all of a sudden, when I started to build my business, it was a failure. I'm like, what is happening? And of course, you go into what happens to all of us. I'm not doing it right. I'm a failure. I'm terrible. And we define ourselves by that outcome. And then I realized, wait a minute. What is the right system? What are the right steps? And, and, and create that infrastructure. So I, I use a lot of my own failures and lessons that I learn in helping teach others um, because I don't want other people. And if I can save them the six months that it took me to figure something out, um, I want to be able to help them leverage that. Yeah, and I think that's why coaching is so valuable. And that's why I do the coaching for women with chronic pain or headaches yeah. or sleep issues or autoimmune disease, because it took me, you know, tens of years. And and then in the time that they can get better, they can learn all the strategies and all the techniques right. within eight weeks and wait years and years and years of seeing specialists and wasting all their time. And that's the the coaching, you can just get a lot more done in yeah. a lot quicker time and facilitating their goals, what they're aligned right. with instead of, you know, what the doctor wants, for example. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And sometimes you just need someone from the outside looking in, you know, I have a client in particular, I love her. She is doing some incredible work and she's been in business for a long time. She was very successful in corporate America too, but for whatever reason, one month she would make a great deal of money and some months she had nothing. Mm -hmm. um, um, and one of the things that we were able to figure out is like, hmm, you know, is what you're offering what people want? Mm -hmm. Are you giving them? And by the way, she's phenomenal, but she needed to just retool a couple different things. And people don't understand that at times um, you're, you know, you can't just launch a course if you, nobody knows you, you haven't, you have to have an audience because out of a hundred people, only three are going to be ready to buy from you. So if you only have a hundred followers, you may get three people that want what you have, but it really also has to resonate with them. So all of these things have to go in place in order for you to, to do that. And coaching is a really crucial part. It was life-changing for me personally, in my business, in my personal life. And I highly recommend it to people as well.
Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you so much, Julie, for being on the show today. I'm so oh thankful. Oh my God, Anna, thank you for having me. This is super fun. I love talking to you. I have to tell you, I've been binging on your show. I, I'm like making a list for when we're going to have our next conversation because I'm yeah. like, I want to talk about this and I want to talk about that. And <laughs> I know I told everyone, yeah. everyone that I've had on so far, I was like, oh my gosh, we got to do a second one. And then I'm yeah. like, oh wait, I've got residency this one year. And then after I do my residency, yeah. we are going to bash out on a whole bunch. I can't wait to see what amazing things come our way. We made um, the podcast made a top 5% globally. So we're super. Congratulations. That's so good. I'm like, great. I'm starting residency. And so I don't know what's Listen, here, here's the one thing from because one thing that's come out of our business when I launched my business, my husband started to support me by helping me launch the podcast. Now in his own right, he helps women with podcasting. Um, and, you know, we have a full podcasting. That's one arm of the business. But the one thing I will tell you and anyone who's listening, stay consistent with just putting your content out there. This is where a lot of people end up failing. And if that means maybe your podcasts are not a whole hour, maybe you bring in people to do a podcast takeover, or maybe you recycle some other stuff that you have, do it, but oh. stay consistent. Consistent action gets you traction, my friend. Maybe I could do a little podcast takeover while I'm in residency. Yeah. I mean, leverage, you know, how can I, right? Right question, right yes. answer? Yes. I got to think about this. Okay, yeah. good. Well, if you need to, if you need to talk about it, I can come up with ideas. Oh, don't yeah. worry. Julie, You've got you me. I have yeah. like a very creative mind. So like intuitive and creative and it just like generates. It's like your, oh, you're you've so got some kind. mind power. Yeah. I love Thank it. Thank you. Okay. Well, so I'll put all your links. Um, you've got goconfidentlycoaching.com and then you've got yeah. all your links to everything. You've got a book, you've got your, I mean, ladies, everyone, check her out. She's phenomenal. And she's got a free self-confidence mini course as well. So that is a nice freebie that you offer. Um, so thanks so much. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. This is the highlight of my day and I have really fun things going on, but I've been looking forward to chatting with you because your story is so phenomenal. And I know that women need to hear more of what you have. So thank you so much for empowering all of us because I am your ideal client, honestly. Oh my God. Thank you so much, Julie. Yeah. I love you. You just made me feel all good inside. <laughs> no, the feeling is mutual. Keep doing what you're doing, my friend. Oh, thank you. Okay, everyone. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Take care.